Coming up on the best of Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, we catch up with Collingwood VFLW Captain Jess Edwards, Melbourne Uni VFLW Captain Ash Riddell, Adelaide Crows AFLW Co-Captain Chelsea Randall, and founder of the Motor City Muscle, Janet Bayersdorf. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the fourth episode in our best of series of Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. This program is also available as a podcast via SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts to search for Women's Australian Rules Football. Let's head on back to episode 17 from this year when we caught up with Collingwood VFLW captain Jess Edwards. The Magpies would end up going on to win the minor premiership but would be bundled out in straight sets in the VFLW finals. Better news though personally for Jess as she was picked up by the Carlton Football Club in the AFLW draft in October. Here's our interview from episode 17 with Jess Edwards. Good, thank you. It's great to be on here. Great to have you back again. A lot has happened over the last 12 months. The last time we spoke to you, I believe it was around about the start of the uh, Sanford W season and on debut, making the grand final. Yeah, it was a great experience. Um, we got to meet the first grand final for the Sanford against Nord. Unfortunately, we didn't get the win on the day, um, but it was great to be involved in that and uh, the experience and what the Sanford's doing now is fantastic. During those uh, few months afterwards, you went back to playing in what's now known as the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 competition, and you played at Adelaide University, who swept all before them and to take the flag. Can you tell us what the feeling was like around the Adelaide Uni camp last year? Because Morfordville had been dominating uh, that league for years to be the top dog and, and sweep aside the competition. Yeah, it was great. We... Um... We uh, picked up a new coach called Chrissy Steen and obviously you've spoken to her previously as well and um, we had some uh, new recruits into the team but we had um, started building our club from the previous year before that first time in our Division 1 and we had some great girls go through um, the sample program and they came back to Adelaide Uni and so we were just ready to basically start from to start from bang go and um, our first game we ended up winning by quite a few points and just as it went on and on, our structures came into place and we formed really well as a team. It was fantastic, to be honest, great to be a part of. And the development that the girls got there, I think, has set a really great um, uh, – for the girls that got drafted from our team, basically, set them really well for the AFLW. There's two names to bring out of that. The first one you did mention is Chrissy Steen. We've had her a number of times on the program. From a player's point of view, what stands out to you about Chrissy's coaching? <laughs> she basically throws you into the deep end. It's fantastic. Um, so it's just she's all about you've got to do it like this way and um, the structure that she implements into the game and the knowledge that she brings to the game for the girls um, is great for all of us really and something we haven't some of us have not experienced before and uh, I, a lot of us just trusted her and went with that and that's what you've got to do with a coach. So. And another name I mentioned, Chrissy's partner, Courtney Gum, who you got to play alongside with. And may I say as well, injured herself in the warm-up for the grand final and still kicked seven goals. Yeah, I know. She's, oh gosh, she's phenomenal, isn't she, really? You know, AFLW, Weston Ferris, and oh, she's fantastic to be a part of um, a playing group with her. And having her alongside of me taught me so much. And she just makes you want to be a better player in every way. 
So it was a great experience for her and what she's achieved in the last year is fantastic for us as a club and her individually. And that, and that does remind me, when you've got a player like the calibre of a Courtney Gum, how do you pick their brains? How do you try and get as much knowledge out of them or observe them to add that and to incorporate that into your preparation and your game? Yeah, I was lucky enough to lucky enough, but I was lucky enough to actually play on Courtney Gum in a few of the games. I had to mm-hmm. tag her as a player, and I just followed her around. It was fantastic to see what she did, what she thought about where she placed herself, and then to play alongside her in the midfield or if she played forward. Um, she just directs really well, and her the way that she uses her language and her tone and voice in the game is something that I really aspire to. Um, so I basically just pick her brain afterwards or during the game. She'll explain to you why she thinks you should have done this in a certain way. And, that's all you can really do at the, at the time and the moment of the game. But, yeah, watching footage, we were lucky enough to have footage. Uh, lucky enough to have footage. So we got to go over that as well. So that was great. Now, after uh, the Sample W season and as you were coming to an end in the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 season, you were starting to think about the future, particularly for AFLW that you wanted to be drafted. Um, before you end up in Victoria, did you actually have the, a chance to have a conversation with the Crows to, I guess, guess where you were at if you were going to be in their picture for being drafted or if you were being encouraged to look elsewhere? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to be a part of their top-up squad uh, for their first year for the Crows. And then, um, yeah, I guess I had a conversation with them about that. And unfortunately for me, there's just not a player that they're looking at. So, yeah, um, they were very comfortable with saying to me you know you need to go look elsewhere and that's what I did so that's how I've ended up in Melbourne and ended up at Collingwood. The Collingwood Football Club one of the most famous names going around Uh, obviously a lot of girls wanted to put their hand up to play at the Magpies to wear the black and white stripes how did you end up getting there in the first place if I'm correct you end up sending some type of demo footage to them. Uh, Yeah Chrissy put some um, footage together and helped us put some footage together to some of the scouts and um, my I, one of them was clubs I sent to was Collingwood and um, I had a conversation with Wayne um, previous to the draft and um, obviously I wasn't successful and he said to me we've got to come and try there for the VFL and I was in two minds about where I really wanted to be and obviously moved my life over and um, I came over for the trials and ended up being successful and I guess that's where it's led to there and um, I recommend girls to send out footage of themselves if they can to clubs and try and sell themselves as much as they can. You know, sometimes you can be successful, sometimes you can't. So I was lucky. As you said, you had to pick up your life to move from Adelaide to Melbourne. Can you let everyone know, what did you actually have to leave behind in Adelaide? Were you studying or working at the time? And have you been able to pick that up easily when you've moved to Melbourne? Yeah, it's definitely difficult. I'm obviously further along in my career than other people are if you're 18. So um, I left a full-time job. I was a special needs teacher at that point of time. Um, and so I left my class behind and I left my family and my partner behind. They're all very supportive though. But um, yeah, I've left them all behind and now living with people from Adelaide um, who are two of my friends. Um, I'm just working CRT at the moment, but maybe looking for a full-time job depending on how everything goes. And so very hard. <laughs> and as we mentioned, it's not the only time that you've done it. Of course, you did it uh, a few years ago when you went to London and played with the Wandsworth Demons. Yeah, that was that was different. I guess like I really wanted like that was something. Obviously, it was like go away, have some fun, sort of thing. So that was one of the amazing experiences. Obviously, when my football career started in Wandsworth Demons, so I have lots of thanks for them. 
Um, but yeah, definitely different this time. I'm still looking that I want to further my career along uh, as a teacher and I definitely still want to further my career along as a football player. So just trying to balance those two out at the same time. As you mentioned, you were part of the Crows trained on squad and of course now you're at Collingwood uh, VFLW. Have you noticed any similarities or a complete difference in style in the amount of hours and intensity that you train to prepare yourself for match day? No, um, I definitely think that both teams, um, and I would say this across the board really, to be honest with all the AFLW teams, that the girls train really hard and lots of hours. And uh, I guess something that probably needs to be aware is just the well-being of each player. Um, They're expected to do a lot and still have careers. And I think that's something that, maybe in the future needs to be looked at if the standard wants to increase. So I just see the girls working extremely hard for personally to be the best player they can be for the public and obviously for their team. And it's inspiring to be around that. And that's, I guess, why I want to be at that next level. I love the eliteness that they all bring. We asked Lisa Williams, the Essendon captain, uh, this question last week, and I'll ask the same to you. And it's probably even more difficult for you because you moved from Adelaide to Melbourne. Um, how does it feel coming into a, a season where you don't really know the opposition? There's no, I guess, vision to go back to because it's all new teams in this VFLW. How hard is it to try and plan and prepare when you're not 100% sure of what you're actually coming up against? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I guess personally for me, I've just come through from the sample, which for the last two years we've been building that um, league up and every team that we played, we never knew what they were going to come up against. So for personally, I've already had experience with that. I believe that you just play the team that you have to play on the day. Um, and hopefully, you know, you'll just change your plans as you go along through the quarters. Um, so for me personally, it's not too much of a change. But I guess for the other girls, yeah, and for our coaching panel, it's extremely hard. And you try and do matchups on the day is who you can and who will be in on there when you know on the Wednesday. Um, but yeah, extremely hard and difficult, um, but exciting too, like, it's great. It means every game you need to go hard at the ball and you need to go hard at um, how we play as a game. You mentioned Chrissy Steen's name earlier, who, of course, is an experienced and revered coach. Now you're at Collingwood under Penny Kula-Reed, who was obviously a revered footballer for all her time at the St Kilda Sharks and played one AFLW season for Collingwood. This is her first year as a coach. She is a rookie coach. Um, what have you noticed so far about her coaching style? Yeah, Penny's done really well to um, adapt to this, uh, like a more of an elite level, I guess. And um, she's done really well. She keeps it really clear for the girls. I believe that her communication to the girls has been fantastic. She's really trying to, as become from a player, she's had past experience with that. Um, and she's definitely trying to develop herself in that communication-wise. And I think that's what I've really noticed, that she's able to explain things to the girls in the way that she would want to explain as a player. Um, and that's something that she brings to the team that's really great so far. And, yeah, we're all building, we're all learning together, and I think that's what's really great about the Collingwood BFL at the moment. And what does it mean for you personally to, after having the title of captain at North Adelaide, to now, a second year in a row, earn a captain's title again, this time at the Collingwood Football Club? <laughs> yeah, very honoured. I get Very honoured. Um, yeah, it's great. Um a good learning experience. I thought I would just be coming over here to actually just play the game and not have to have that title as a captain again and really focus on my playing ability. And I guess I'm very fortunate to be put in that role again. I've got plenty of support at Collingwood to make sure that I'm still focusing on both those things to be successful at both of them. Um, So I'm very lucky in that way. And I feel more prepared this time to be the captain. And um, yeah, it's been great. 
Does it seem a little bit surreal that you're running around in the black and white stripes as a captain uh, last week against uh, Williamstown at Oakley and occasionally running you water as just one of those, you know, star champion players in Chloe Malloy? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, yeah, it is definitely. You know, I aspire to be these girls um, as a player, and now I get to play alongside them, and they're part of my leadership group. And yeah, it's amazing. I, I don't really have words for that. Um, I guess I just try and keep a level head about it and pick their brains as much as I can. They're fantastic, though. And after we saw a photo of her carrying water, I think the hashtag started trending Malloy's Hydration Station. Um, looking back at that game against Williamstown, one from one, you got the first win on the board. Uh, pros and cons out of that game. Uh, what do you think worked well for you in the win? And what's some of the things you think you still need to improve on as a team as you go into round two against Geelong? Yeah, I thought that we um, definitely went hard at the ball majority of the time. And I think that when we moved the ball quickly, we moved it quite well. Um, I think that we need to work on being clean as a team. And I think that we probably need to uh, just understand when we need to use the handballs and when we need to use our kicks moving forward, I think, that um, probably structurally-wise. Um, but I think there was lots to take from the game, pros and cons. We went through some of the stuff last night. So just moving forward, I think we're going to try and work on make sure that we're going to be cleaner with the ball and making sure that we're just protecting each other a bit more. Well, Jess, thank you very much for joining us here again at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we wish you all the very best throughout season 2018 with the Collingwood Magpies and the VFLW. Thank you so much for having me. Our next guest began playing senior women's football at the Fitzroy Football Club in the then VWFL in 2016. A year later, she would find herself at Diamond Creek Women's Football Club playing in a grand final. After Diamond Creek chose not to participate in the VFLW going forward, she found herself following Scott Gowans to the Melbourne University Women's Football Club, where she'd be appointed as captain of the Muggers for the 2018 season. And literally just days after our interview with her, she would end up being signed by North Melbourne, where she'll play AFLW football in 2019. We speak of Ash Riddell. I'm great, thank you. How are you? Not too bad at all. It's been a hectic last three years for you. You've jumped from Fitzroy to Diamond Creek to Melbourne University. Absolutely. Very crazy. Lots of new people in the process, though, which is good. Well, before we talk about Melbourne University, let's take a step back. When did you actually first pick up the footy and start your senior women's footy career? Um, So I originally um, played footy when I was younger, so from about six years old to when I was about 11 and then I sort of gave that up and pursued basketball and then sort of came back um, in three years ago and played my first season back with Fitzroy after sort of a long stint away but I was still obviously watching footy in the meanwhile just not playing it so yeah it's been exciting. Indeed, it has working in the lower divisions originally with Fitzroy. I think Division Three they were in to, as we saw last year, you play at Diamond Creek and on one occasion won our best on ground. And now you find yourself at Melbourne Uni. Before we talk about that, let's just skip back a bit to October. Uh, you've had a great year at Diamond Creek. You made the grand final. Uh, you made the VFLW team of the year. So things are on the up and up. The draft happened, but you didn't get picked up. What was the thoughts going through your mind at that stage? Um, obviously initially I was extremely disappointed and sort of upset thinking about what I could have done, what I could have done better and things like that. But then sort of as time progressed, I realized that, um, I had to sort of make the most of, 
the opportunity and try and work really hard over the pre-season and um, sort of state my case again for make it um, try and make it impossible for the recruiters not to pick me up the following time around. So really try and work hard over the pre-season. One thing I'm interested to note, and uh, I actually haven't asked this question to a number of women who who didn't get uh, picked up in the draft over the past couple of years, is did you receive any feedback at all from the clubs or the people that you know, such as a Darren Flanagan, etc., throughout the academy system, to give you feedback saying, "Look, you weren't picked up because we still want to see X, Y, or Z from you." Um, not particularly as such. I more um sort of relied on people I already knew and got sort of feedback from their, them. So obviously Scott being our the coach last year for Diamond Creek, obviously, and he was involved in with Carlton at the time. I got a little bit of feedback from him and sort of people that I trust around me and areas of my game that I could work on a little bit better. So, yeah, that was sort of the extent of that. And then in November, we, we found the news that Diamond Creek would not be in the VFLW going forward. So that left you without a home. How did the conversation come about to getting you to Melbourne University? Um, well, yeah, obviously I was completely disappointed that Diamond Creek wasn't around because I absolutely loved my time um, there. But, yeah, I just I knew throughout my stint at Diamond Creek I really enjoyed Scott coaching me and thought that um, – I'd have the most opportunity um, sort of following him to Melbourne Uni and knowing sort of his plans for the club and things like that. I was easily sold and wanted to come straight to Melbourne Uni. So that's sort of how that came about. And as you said, you were under Scott Gowan at two different clubs. When he's at Diamond Creek, he's coaching in a mindset of a VFLW team. He's now at Melbourne Uni slash North Melbourne, where he's coaching in a mindset of not only you as a VFLW players, but also thinking ahead to AFLW. Being under him at two different clubs, have you noticed a change in his style? Have, have things got more intense or picked up a bit more because there's that preparation for AFLW? Um, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we still have the sort of growth mindset and the development um, mindset at VFL level, but obviously there is coming to Melbourne Uni this year, there is the AFLW component. So I think across all clubs, sort of our training's picked up intensity, especially during the preseason, the amount of running, things like that that we've been doing. Um, but, yeah, it's been certainly different, but still Scott still coaches in a similar way and it follows the same sort of principle. So it hasn't been too much of a change. I guess one change, though, is everything that's happening off the field because at Diamond Creek, you've got the small little club rooms that you had up at Plenty War Memorial Park. You you train at North Melbourne at Arden Street Oval where you've got a theatreette to sit in to watch your video back of what your best, you know, 60 seconds highlights were or whatever from the game that's just been like. Can you describe how that is transitioning from those different worlds from a small club to now as much as you're playing for Melbourne Uni, you're, you've got access to that North Melbourne environment? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's amazing, like having access to those facilities, gym equipment and things like that. Um, it's been a big change in that sense. And sort of we've also had like Ben Brown come down and help coaching us quite regularly. So getting feedback from AFL players as well as has been absolutely amazing and incredible um, to learn off them too. So the environment's awesome. Um, I couldn't have asked for anything more. About a month out from the season the leadership group was announced for Melbourne Uni for season 2018 and you ended up with the captaincy how does that feel to essentially be at a brand new club and they've told you you're the leader 
I was pretty stoked and, yeah, a little bit uh, very, very shocked, actually. Um, I didn't expect that coming in and obviously still pretty um, new to football, but um, I was excited to sort of learn a few leadership skills and develop my game in that way as well. Um, right Now that I'm actually understanding the game a little bit more, I feel like I can help those around me um, as well, which is good. So I've really enjoyed the captaincy so far, and um, but I'm lucky to have other people around me that can also assist me with that too. I'm interested to actually know on that, with the captaincy in general, how much of an extra burden is that on your time, besides what people see on the ground of, hey, you do the coin toss and select which end you want to go to. But say off the field and and during the week, there are times where players have got questions and they don't necessarily want to approach the coach directly. How often do you now find players approaching you, asking you questions as the captain? Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly more than obviously not being captain at, uh, last year. Um, I just want to try and make it um, make myself as approachable as I can to other players. And that, yeah, as you say, if they don't feel comfortable asking the coaching staff, they can go through me as an avenue. Um, and I might know the answer, I might not, but hopefully they feel comfortable enough to have a chat to me about whatever they want, um, even if it's not football related and um, that they feel comfortable with me as a leader. So that's the hope. Um, and, yeah. A one-and-one one start to the season uh, against Geelong at Cadinia Park. A tight tussle in the first half, and they pulled away in the second half. Coming off the back of that game, what were some of the things that Scott wanted to see uh, an improvement in the side that you were able to implement for the next week when you end up beating Essendon at Windy Hill? Um, it was, yeah, structurally we um, sort of fell away a little bit in the second half. We, it was really tough because we only had one practice game against Casey and then we sort of got thrown into playing Geelong the week after. So as a group, and Melbourne Uni's obviously got a lot of new players and I think we had 10 girls debut uh, for their first VFL game that weekend. So obviously um, it was challenging for them not knowing some of the structures and the intensity of the game. But um, I think... In terms of um, our from week to week um, against Essendon, there was great improvement in terms of just our communication across the board, knowing sort of where to run and trusting your teammates that they're going to win the ball. And so now we've got a little bit of a better understanding of how each girl plays and we can sort of adapt to that accordingly. Not a bad first win as captain for yourself, being named best on ground and snagging three goals. Yeah, I was pretty stoked. I was lucky to get on the end of a couple of goals, which was nice. I think um, our team, the team as a whole, um, played really, really well. And I wouldn't have been able to get those couple of goals without the work they did up the field, that's for sure. So, nah, we as a group, we played very, very well, which was nice. Still plenty to improve on, but um, yeah, it's looking good. Looking ahead on a few things, uh, first of all, you've actually got the bye this week. So how's Scott approaching that? Will a number of the squad go back to play in the VAFA this weekend and will a number be rested? Um, a little bit of both. We've, um, some players need to be rested. Some have played VAFA sort of before the VFL started, so they've been playing for a few weeks on end. So it will just depend individually how each player is feeling. Um, but most most will probably have the week off and just to rejuvenate and get back on track before we play Northern Territory the week after. Now, one part of, uh, I guess, preparing for North Melbourne's entry into the AFLW is Melbourne Uni are having the occasional guest appearance from a Tasmanian player in your side. How's that working out when it comes to selection? And I guess 
for you as captain and as teammates trying to have communication with that player that they know what role they've got to play when they come across to play whatever particular match? Yeah, it is It is challenging. It's obviously going to be challenging for the player coming in to a brand-new team too. But um, there's really good communications with North Melbourne and the Tassie girls coming up that they actually understand the game plan before they come in. So they've already sort of recognised that and have a little bit of an understanding of it. And we just, as a group of Melbourne Uni girls, are going to make them feel um, really welcome and um, help make sure they're on the field. We give a lot of directional sort of advice and communicate um, in ways they understand to get the best out of our performance. One thing we did mention on our uh, pre-game show on the weekend, we were talking with Lucy Watkin, and we might as well uh, say it again on our uh, weekly show. So, therefore, the American audience can get to hear. They're obviously keen to see how Katie Clatt is going from Sacramento's season number three now at Melbourne Uni. Uh, Scott's given her quite a bit of responsibility, um, establishing her as the team's full back. Yeah, absolutely. She played her first um, VFLW game against Geelong and um, she was absolutely awesome, especially when there was a lot of um, inside 50s for Geelong. So she had to um, virtually hold down the back line at times. So she's um, the past two games, she's been very influential and she's one that will always, always work hard and um, do all the 1% of things that might not always get noticed, but um, we certainly notice them as a group, um, which is good. Now she's tracking very well. And a bit of the Foreign Legion there as well because you actually have a great Britain player who's been hampered in training because of her shoulder but hopefully should have full contact soon. Alex Salter from Nottingham Scorpions has been uh, training and hopefully will soon pull on the mugger's jumper. Yeah, that will be exciting when she does. Um, I think we're all um, excited to see what she can bring to the team, what she can add to the team. Um, And, yeah, no, we're very excited for that. Thank you very much again for your time as always, Ash. It's been a privilege to talk to you. Enjoy the week off if you are putting your feet up for this weekend and good (laughs) luck with the Muggers for the rest of the season 2018. No, thank you so much for that, Peter. I appreciate it. Our next guest barely needs an introduction. A champion of women's football, a premiership co-captain with the Adelaide Crows, it's Chelsea Randall. I'm well, thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on. It's been uh, three years since you've last spoken to us. At that time, you were just completed training at Melbourne, heading into the TV exhibition game at Witten Oval. A heck of a lot's happened over those last few years, including a premiership. It sure has. Our AFLW season is well and truly kicked off, and obviously heading into our third season next year. And yeah, lots has happened since we last chatted. How's the adjustment been for you? Because at the time we were chatting, you were actually working for the V-Swans up in Newman, up in uh, rural WA, to now living, Mm. quote-unquote, the city life in Adelaide. (laughs) Yeah, the city life in Adelaide, which is still um, not as busy as your Melbournes or Sydney's, but it's uh, still a city life compared to where I was up in Newman in in the desert of Western Australia in the Pilbara up there. So, um, yeah, look, I absolutely love Adelaide. Um, It's you know, it's been actually a breath of fresh air. I've met some new friends and um, the football club here has just been so good to me and, um, you know, and now I guess transition from Western Australia to Adelaide and, yeah, I'm uh, excited that I've re-signed just recently for coming into the third season. One of the roles that you do to complement your football playing at the Adelaide Crows to essentially be a full-time is you're a community program officer. How does that compare to the work that you were doing previously in WA with the V-Swans? 
Yeah, so my role up with these ones, uh, I was the regional core, uh, sorry, regional manager for um, the kicking and shooting goals programs in the Newman Senior High School. So basically, it was a program to engage um, high school students in their attendance at school and their positive behaviours, and a bit of an incentive program around you know using netball and football as a tool um, and platform uh, to encourage those those attributes. So. Um, I absolutely love that. Was up there for about two years and just loved working with the kids and um, you know mentoring and assisting them with not only their sport but also um, you know their education and off field stuff as well. So my current role with Adelaide Football Club is I came across to be the uh, community programs officer with a focus of female football engagement. So um, the last couple of years I've just kind of developed some female football uh, programs here in South Australia as. Um, they didn't actually quite have uh, junior girls football um, teams. It was only for like youth girls when we first got here. It only had about 16 girls football teams um, at local clubs. And now two years later, we've got over 120 um, girls, you know, teams from junior girls and youth girls now, which is fantastic. And so we just do a lot of work in the schools and running football carnivals, like our Crows Cup carnivals and giving girls that platform where they can have a go at football, um, feel safe and, and confident and build their um, skills in a, in a safe environment. We've seen that women's football has been growing a lot in Adelaide through the Adelaide Footy League, the amateur competition there. What's it been like in rural areas? Because just recently you've come back from Wyala. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, just on Wednesday morning I flew out um, to regional um, South Australia to, to Wyala. So it's about probably four or five-hour drive from um, Adelaide. And, uh, yeah, through the support of BHP, um, obviously a partner of our ASLW team, but also, um, sorry, a sponsor, but also, um, at grassroots level as well. So we ran a girls' Crows Cup carnival out there in Wyala and, um, just about had every primary school represented. So uh, it was a great day for the kids that more than half had never played the game before. So, um, it's great that now, you know, they've been, I guess, uh, you know, had that opportunity to see football and play it themselves and then they can make that decision and see that they've got, you know, Ebony Marinoff and myself out there that they they actually can pursue a career in football. Now, by even getting the co-captaincy, before the whole side was created, you signed on originally with Callie Gibson as one of the two original marquees for the Crows. For you, how does it feel, not only to be recognised as being a very good footballer, but being given the marquee role, which essentially is the ambassador being the face of the club? Yeah, I guess um, for me it was, you know, um, there's, there's so many um, amazing players across uh, Australia and that. And, and for me, I'd kind of spent a couple of years uh, obviously living in the desert in the Pilbara. So um, originally when the AFLW started, I wasn't sure exactly where I kind of would sit um, among the other athletes. And, you know, it's it's just been an absolute amazing journey um, over the last couple of years that I've just learned so much and I still have so much to learn. Um, about the game itself and off-field as well. But, um, you know, continually um, putting yourself outside your comfort zone and challenging yourself in areas both on and off the field so that you do continue to learn and, and be the best person and version of yourself uh, so that others can, can follow or, um, you know, that you can help uh, develop them as people as well. And, of course, a very successful year taking out the 2017 Premiership. Just quietly, what have you done with the Premiership ring? No, <laughs> uh, the premiership ring at the moment is um, locked away nice and safe. It's um, yeah, I'm worried that if I wear it, I'd, I'd lose it. So it's 
it's probably bizarre, but yeah, it's locked away and probably just bring it out for um, those memories and to share with uh, my children or grandchildren um, along the along the history um, line. So yeah, <laughs> locked away at the moment. I mean, it, it's crazy to consider that now because we've only just gone two seasons in. But how does it, I guess, at the moment feel that? That jumper you've got in the closet, whatever the ring's locked away, all those memories <laughs> that are going to be so valuable in the future, as in the first. There's only ever one first of something, and you did that all. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think I, I remember after the um, actual premiership and, you know, everyone's um, comments and interviews and uh, people that we've spoken to and previous past players and premiership players for the Adelaide Crows, you know, just saying that you know, you're the first, like, um, no one can ever take that away from you. And you just kind of, you know, it's still a bit surreal. Everything just seemed to happen so fast. Um, and, you know, I guess I was in the mindset where, um, you know, it was fantastic and I know that I'll treasure this when I finish my football career. Um, but also in, in the other side, side of your mindset, you're kind of going, well, you know, um, we can be better. We can. We've got to be better. Um, every other team is going to be chasing you, so you, you can never be satisfied. You've just got to keep um, trying to be better um, for the next couple of seasons to come as well. So it's it's hard at one stage. You're, you're so happy and you want to enjoy it, and then um, you know, next minute you're you're into the next season, and you've just got to um, try and you know flip your mindset to to change and and you know you start again basically. And talking about things like the next season, let's talk about, I guess, a next season, another first. For you, the NT Thunder that you're playing with this year, um, mm-hmm. at least more than 12 of the Adelaide Crows girls have signed up to take part with the Thunder who play in the VFL women's competition. You've obviously played a bit of WAWFL, and I guess that's probably the best comparison against the league rather than the AFLW. Have you found the standard so far competing against the Victorian teams? Yeah, I think it's um, you know it's a great opportunity for um, our Northern Territory girls as well as you know our Crow girls, um, but mainly for those girls up in the territory that you know they they play during the wet season. So um, for those girls, um, they actually get to play football during this dry season for them up in Darwin um, and actually have something to strive for rather than you know there's only a handful of girls that actually make it to the AFL currently from Darwin, um, but they can actually see that there's a bigger pathway now that they can actually, you know, be a part of, um, I guess, that experience to work on, um, you know, being surrounded by that positive professional environment. Um, And, you know, they've got over 30-odd girls a part of that up in the Territory, which is just fantastic, you know, constantly training and, and setting those standards. So, you know, girls are actually getting an opportunity from Darwin um, to play against quality opposition in Victoria um, and actually be seen as well. Um, so I'm. it's more about our Darwin girls and, and actually giving them an opportunity. I'm just really excited and they're learning lots of, as we are as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a good um, opposition and good competition for us to all be a part of. It's almost like the Crows in reverse, where you've got the two camps again, the Darwin camp, the Adelaide camp. This time the Darwin players are the majority. Uh, for the Adelaide players, how are you organising yourselves when it comes to training and preparing during this winter season for the VFLW? Are you essentially you using Footy Park and the same coaching staff, et cetera, that you would as you would normally with the Crows, or is that all different under the Thunder? Uh, look, it's kind of different through the Thunder. Obviously, Timmy Weatherall is our coach up in Darwin, so he kind of sets uh, what it is that he wants us to kind of work on. Um, 
and we have you know a training um, out at Featherton Oval, uh, so away from the football club here, and um, doing some training sessions there. And uh, we've got you know some development girls as well coming through, and, and just um, you know training alongside them to help us with our numbers. But yeah, it is kind of reverse reverse roles at the moment, so you kind of get a taste for what it's like for um, our Darwin girls when we are in AFLW season, and um, you know. We've either got less of the numbers than what they have and just trying to do those training drills and, and come together. And then basically we we fly in and meet each other a couple of hours either um, in the nighttime or in the morning of the game and quickly try and learn everyone's names and then go out there and play some footy. So, um, you know, it's, although it can be challenging, it's, um, it's very rewarding at the same time uh, meeting some new people and being a part of, uh, you know, the VFL competition. Talking about challenging, having essentially to give up every weekend that you do play because for the Adelaide-based crew, you've got an away game every week. You're either flying to Darwin or you're flying to Melbourne. Yeah, it's that appreciation again for during that AFLW season. That's what our Darwin players do. So, um, you know, for us at the moment, it is, yeah, every weekend. If it's Melbourne, we fly out Friday and we come back late Saturday night. And then if it's a Darwin game, we fly out Friday afternoon and sometimes don't get back till Sunday nighttime. So it is a commitment. Um, but, you know, it, you do it because you love footy and that you want to get better and um, help others as well. So it's uh, still an awesome opportunity. And, um, yeah, looking forward to, to obviously having this weekend off. And then next weekend I'll be playing um, back in with the VFL side, hopefully against uh, a Melbourne side next week. Well, talking about helping others, you did a little bit of that back in October with a Kokoda trek uh, for the Little Heroes Foundation. Can you tell us how the idea around that came to be? Yeah, it was funny, actually. I remember being after our first AFLW season, we just won the premiership, and um, part of me, I think, just needed a... I wanted to, uh, I guess run away <laughs> to say in a, in a way but um, I wanted to go to somewhere a little bit different after the footy season and um, I remember speaking to Chris McDermott um, he was a former Adelaide Crows uh, player here obviously and chatting to him and I was saying oh look I'm, I'm actually keen to kind of um, looking at maybe just going and doing the Kokoda trek after the footy season and um, he said well we're doing it through the Little Heroes Foundation um, which you know supports families and children uh, in need here in South Australia, uh, and they were doing that in October. And I thought this is actually probably better for my body. I'll give it a rest, and then I can do it in October. And he said, "We'd love you to be a part of it." Um, and uh, a couple of the Eagles, uh, so the Sandful um, Eagles football team um, players and staff members were also going to be a part of it. Uh, so yeah, so I jumped on on the idea of it and helped started fundraising and um, we soon found ourselves walking in the jungle of the Kokoda Trek and um, it was always, I reckon I was 13 when my dad and I and my brother had spoken about doing it and we, we should do that one day together um, and I asked them if they wanted to join me and my dad and brother um, jumped on the idea as well and they, they came along and yeah, it was just an awesome family experience but the the crew that we had together was amazing. We raised over $75,000 for the Little Heroes Foundation, uh, which was just a tremendous. So the journey itself um, was just it was just incredible. I don't still have the words to describe exactly what we went through, but you know it was only the smallest part of what our soldiers and Australian soldiers would have actually gone through. You know, it's um, 
pretty amazing. So, uh, yeah, you take your definitely your, your hats off to to our Australian soldiers that fought that war. That was just incredible. So to hear the stories and walk the track that they did was um, pretty surreal and, and very moving. As you mentioned, it's a it's a physically challenging uh, uh, course that you do the Kokoda trip, which goes on for something like about ten days. When you're there and actually taking part in this trek, and obviously you're being told the stories of the diggers that went through there in the early 40s uh, during World War II, do the emotions hit you there and then of what you're doing and and what has gone before you? Yeah, oh, definitely. It was, um, you know, and just the people in Papua New Guinea, um, you know, people were calling, uh, you know, they were our porters, but we, you know, referred to them as our brothers because... Um, you know, they were just as equal as us and um, supported us throughout uh, this trek and it was just surreal. There were so many moments where, um, you know, someone in your in your team, I would say, you know, had a, an emotional um, time or physically challenging time and you'd, you would either, you know, take their pack um, for them and, and walk up or you'd be behind them just there or give them a hug and, Every single team member kind of went through, you know, that kind of emotional or physical journey and we were just there for each other. So it was um, pretty special. I've made friends for life through those guys. Now, another October that you'll be doing and helping people again is this October. You'll be heading to the United States to help the Aussie Sparks, the touring team that went uh, last year and we covered, which was a great privilege. How did you hook up with the Aussie Sparks Touring Company to uh, join on for the tour of 2018 throughout the USA and Canada? Yeah, well, it's um, it's yeah, awesome opportunity and obviously a great opportunity for our young um, female athletes coming through the, the system. Um, and, you know, I was very privileged. I've obviously played, uh, Aussie Sparks is a non-for-profit, uh, organization and, um, Jacinda Barkley, who plays for GWS, her and I actually used to play for Scottish Football Club, um, as well as our coach, Nick Graves, who's actually the head coach for the tour, um, had contacted me to see if I'd be interested in, um, being a, an assistant coach and mentor for these young girls that were going to be a part of this tour. So, um, yeah, I was, stoked to be um and very grateful for the, the opportunity that they asked me for and um yeah obviously looking forward to to that journey as well and um seeing how i can best help and um support the, the young stars that are coming through as well personally how do you feel to be going through such facilities like the chicago bulls uh, academy in chicago obviously training through there and and heading up to obviously racine for the usafl nationals which they'll be helping out at and uh heading mm-hmm. up to places like seattle and vancouver yeah, it seems a bit surreal, you know, you just kind of, I guess, you know, for uh, Aaron Phillips, obviously, uh, um, yeah, a co-captain, my good mate from Adelaide Crows, obviously lives over in um, the US in Dallas, a different part, obviously, to where we're going, but you know, you only have ever hear stories about just the training facilities and the sport over there in America and um, the US, and you just go, wow, like, um, just I'm just excited to experience it myself, because... Obviously, you just hear so many stories about how great it is um, and just the, the athletes and the facilities and that, that I'm actually just excited to see it for myself and um, learn some new um, you know, things along the way and hopefully be able to bring that back um, you know, and share amongst our, my peers. Now, obviously, you're still very young yourself. Uh, this Thursday, you're only just turning 27, so hopefully... 
fingers crossed, maybe a decade more of good football still left in you, Chelsea. But when when the career finally does come to a close, which it does for all of us, have you considered what the next stage is, considering everything you're doing um, off the football field? Have you looked at uh, either a coaching, administration, or even media? Yeah, I think it's um, obviously something that you you kind of have in the back of your mind at, the, at this point in time, and trying to decide. Obviously, you don't you never know what's around the corner in your football career, uh, so it's just about making the most of it. But yes, yeah, kind of just taking the opportunities that that come your way with both hands and. Because you never know, you know, what the future might hold and, um, you know, what opportunities may open up when your career actually finishes. So um, I'm not entirely sure what that's going to look like for me. Um, I'm just really focusing a lot on football, but the off-field kind of stuff, if there's an opportunity that's thrown my way, I I try to, um, you know, make the time and, and see if I can learn something along the way, give myself some confidence, jump outside my comfort zone and, um, hopefully that can help me in the near future if it is a coaching role that I'm interested in or whether it's uh, media or just sometimes you just got to try things whether you think you might like it or you may not. Um, for some of the young trainees that I have um, in my community role, is sometimes you've got to do a job that maybe you don't actually um, you know think that you'd like because um, it might either rule it out going forward or it might just say actually you know I, I really did enjoy that and I want to give it a go so um, you know I do enjoy that space of, of just learning and, and making that decision for myself. And one final one before we let you go obviously the uh, trade period has come to an end uh, Talia Radden has moved on to Melbourne but you've got one incoming a fellow West Australian albeit a bit of a rival because she played at Coastal Titans while you played at Swan <laughs> Districts you've got Sparky incoming Renee Forth. Yes, we do. Yeah, really excited. Um, obviously, um, Forthy has been playing in the uh, VFW, uh, sorry, VFL competition um, in our NT Thunder team as well, which is pretty cool. And um, yeah, we just got along um, in Western Australia really well. And she's just a, an amazing person and an amazing footballer. And we're excited to have her join the Adelaide Crows and see what she can do and provide for us next year. Now, we believe you're about to take some time off to head over to Africa and enjoy a holiday. We wish you all the very best in that, and hopefully we'll see you near finals time with the NT Thunder in the VFLW competition. Cool. Thanks so much for having me, Peter. We've been talking about women's footy spreading quickly throughout the USA. Many new teams popping up here, there, and everywhere participating in the USAFL. A new team that started up in 2018 was the Motor City Muscle, and we spoke to its founder, Janet Bazdorf. I'm well, thank you, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. And as everyone would hear by the accent in your voice, you're not an Aussie, you're an American. So the question has to go out there. How does a Yank get involved in Aussie rules football? Um, Well, I was actually very lucky as a kid to spend most of my primary school years in Melbourne. Um, And so I got exposed to footy there. Um, Didn't really play, um, but learned the game, enjoyed watching it. Um, and then when we moved back stateside, uh, my dad started playing with the USAFL um, right in the early years. Um, and then he eventually became the East Coast vice president um, and was really supportive of the women's game, uh, knowing that, you know, one day my little sister and I might benefit from having the opportunity to play 
stateside. And you did end up finding a um, club in the end, didn't you? Um, but first of all, not in, obviously in the Michigan area, out on the East Coast at uh, New York City. Yeah, um, I moved to New York in 2012 and uh, met Andrea Casillas and Christina Okada and was really welcomed into the New York Magpie family. Um, and I played five really great seasons and then got sidelined after a couple of concussions and uh, came back to coach with under Christina in 2017, um, which was right before my husband and I moved here to Michigan. How would you have described yourself as a footballer with the Magpies? Um, I was uh, generally full forward or center half um, and uh, had a big kick, um, decent hands, <laughs> um, and I was, I'm was i a sizable woman, and so I was always a pretty strong target, um, had a lot of height on a lot of the other women in the league, and so it kind of put me in an advantage in the forward line. Jumping back to 2012 to when you were recruited by the Magpies, how did that happen? Did you approach them or did they approach you? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, my dad had played for the North Carolina Tigers, um, and so I knew that the Tigers were coming up to New York for a game, and so I actually went out to watch, and as I was looking for the location of the field and all of that, I realized that I was suddenly in a city where they had a women's team, and so I emailed uh, Andrea, and uh, she was like, oh my gosh, yes, come out, and um, they were all very excited to have me out. We were in a kind of rebuilding stage of the team at that time, and uh, so it was a very exciting time to become a magpie. As you said, uh, about a year or so ago, yourself and your husband moved out to Michigan, how dif- difficult is that for an Aussie rules lover in the United States? Moving to a state where, at the time, it was a bit of an Aussie rules wasteland. Not much was happening there. It probably would have been a more difficult decision if I hadn't been sidelined um, and uh, kind of dealing with some uh, persistent issues that stemmed from those concussions. Um And uh, because I had that, you know, half of a season of coaching under my belt and a lot of support from the women in New York and the women around the country who are part of our community, um, I was really excited, honestly, about the idea that I could come in and try and get something started. We're always interested in how things start from grassroots when the first idea comes to starting a club. So you're there, you want to start a club, what's your first step? Um, So I realized that the first thing that I needed to do was to acquire some more women's footies. Um, And so I, uh, the USAFL women have a Facebook page and where we kind of talk about things. And um, so I posted a message asking for any advice or, you know, if anyone had any like old balls that they were willing to donate. And um, from that conversation, I got linked up with another woman here who played a season in Columbus and, you know, had moved away and uh, 
wanted to keep playing but didn't really know where to start. And so she and I met up and got some coffee and uh, started talking about what we could do to really get this thing going. Um, I think the most difficult thing for me is um, because I don't have a community established here that I know um, I have friends or, you know, other women who I think might be a good fit or might want to just come out and try it out. It's difficult to find women who are interested. Um, but we have been doing a lot of uh, social media marketing and um, I'm going to a roller derby tournament tomorrow to see if I can recruit some strong roller derby women. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so I think it's really just kind of touch and go, uh, trying different things and seeing what comes out. For those that are not looking at a map of America at this moment, who would you say are your closest clubs to Michigan? Um, so there is um, the Columbus, uh, Jack and Jillaroos, Um And that's about, I believe, three hours south of us. Um, we also have... Um, a couple of women in Chicago that play with the men's clubs and then kind of join in with uh, the women at our bigger tournaments and stuff. Um, and then actually we are pretty close to Toronto, Canada as well. Has there been talk of possibly getting an exhibition game down there? That is obviously those nearby clubs playing a game in your area to try and stir some interest for football in Detroit? Um, yes, we have had conversations about it. Um, and there is definitely um, an interest. I think the biggest challenge um, for those clubs and for myself as well is figuring out what a good location for that would be um, and kind of um, how we go about um, putting that together when none of us are particularly familiar with the area that well. Um, luckily, um, as we're meeting more both women from the area and um, there's also a, a man who is in the area who played for a little while in Baltimore, um, you know, trying to help get things going, getting uh, both men and women out. Um, you know, those people are kind of good contacts for us to have that kind of know better, you know, where are good locations and, and fields that we could use that would be the proper size and all of that. You actually had a bit of a trial day uh, back in May. How did the first original trial or training run go for your side and how many numbers did you get along? Um, so there were eight of us. Um, which I actually was pleasantly surprised about. Um, I knew for sure that there would be four of us. Um, so to get double that was really great. Um, one of the people that came out, um, was a man, uh, an Aussie who brought his two teenage, uh, children, um, uh, boy and girl, 14 and 16, respectively. Um, and it was really fun to have them there to play as well. And I'm really hoping that she um, will be interested in uh, kind of continuing to train with us a little bit until she's old enough to play in the 
USAFL. You ended up choosing the name Motor City Muscle. How did that come about? Um, Well, Detroit, you know, is the Motor City capital of the States. Um, And you can tell just by the way that people drive around here. They drive like maniacs. Um, And so the muscle car um, era was really born right here in Detroit. And so as we were throwing out names, uh, Margaret came up with Motor City Muscle and we loved it. And uh, the response online has been really great. It's fantastic to hear that everyone loves it because there's many unique names in the um, USAFL, including Portland Sockeyes and the San Francisco Iron Maidens, just to name a few. So it certainly caught the attention. Um, I also saw as well on Facebook there's a Detroit footy page. I'm guessing that's a men's club set up on the other side of town? Um, yeah, so that's um, Bob, um, who played for um, Baltimore. Um, and uh, when I was working on putting this together... Um, I couldn't find anything um, about Detroit footy. And I talked to um, some people in the, in the community and they were like, yeah, I haven't heard anything. Um, But Brian Barish um, sent me a message and said, you know, you should try and link up with Bob and see if you guys can put together like a full club. And so um, he's been a great support. Um, Very enthusiastic. Um, and a lot of fun to play with, for sure. That is great to hear. Now, before we let you go, Janet, most importantly, if anyone knows anyone in Detroit, they've got friend or family there, and they want them to sign up to play for the Motor City Muscle, where can they find you? Um, so we are on Facebook um, at Motor City Muscle Australian Football Club, um, and um, we are also on meetup.com. And uh, you can message me on Facebook or um, I'm Janet Bagel on Facebook. And, um, you know, I'd love to hear from you for sure. And that's about Janet, B-E-Y-G-E-L, which I'm told is a combination of a couple of names, which is interesting to see, but, <laughs> but, but great at the same time. Janet, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we wish you all the very best as you build up women's football in Michigan with the Motor City Muscle. Thank you so much. And that concludes the best of Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival for yet another week. I'm Peter Holden. Look forward to your company next Wednesday, 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Until then, bye for now.